Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon, any day of the week. So this morning we'll continue in our fall teaching series on what is God revealing to us as a community, as a family, in this time of change and transition. Not an easy time. So I'm going to go right to to my text this morning. I'm not going to walk around beating around the bush. I'm just going to go and just deliver what I need to say this morning. So the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning is a summarizing passage that follows one of the greatest sermons ever preached by Jesus himself, recorded in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. The greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus and recorded in the Gospel. Jesus, as the Son of God, he's pulling everything together. What he's been teaching in chapter 5 and in chapter 6, he's coming to the end of chapter 7, and he's hitting hard. His, his audience, the listeners, have been very attentive. And he's coming to the end of that sermon and he's hitting really hard. There is an urgency at hand. The listeners need to respond to what he's been teaching. And he's pulling no punches. And he's saying, if you want to be my followers, this is what it's going to look like. It's time to get down from the fence You've been sitting on the sideline way too long. The kingdom of God is at hand. Things need to happen. And you need to be part of that. And so Jesus puts everything on the table. And he calls for a commitment. And he says, it's time to make a decision. Okay. That's right right out of the text. So I'm going to invite you, if you open up your Bibles or look into your phones or whatever you have device, in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read those last few verses out of that sermon that Jesus delivered on the mount. Verse 24 to 29. So this is what Jesus says. Therefore, all the teaching that he's been doing, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, that's the kind of he's calling for a response. He will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain fell and doesn't say not when, but actually the rain fell. The rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and he doesn't act on them, will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Here again, the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house. And it collapsed. It collapsed with great, and the word great here is mega, huge, crash, laying bare. Everything that stood came down. And so when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority. It's unimpeded power to act, not like the scribes who only paid lip service. These are the final summarizing words that Jesus preaches on the Sermon on the Mount. 
the difficulty, the difficulty that for most of us who listen these words of God is that very often they are familiar to us. It begins with the teaching of the Beatitudes. In chapter 5, Jesus started to teach about the Beatitudes. And he's talking about the blessed life that you will have, that you should have, while walking in the kingdom of God. And there was nothing wrong. It was beautiful. Chapter 5 begins how blessed you are. And he would say, when you love your neighbor. That sounds wonderful. How blessed you are when you give to the needy. How blessed you are when you are not anxious in anything. How blessed you are when you pray like this. And how blessed you are when you do not judge. And you would have to say, well, that I do know. That sounds really familiar. And because it is so familiar... It is difficult to know what is Jesus really meaning and saying by these words when he concludes and he has the summarizing passage that he gives in chapter 7. How do we know? The question is, so how do I know that I'm blessed, that I would have that blessed life at the end of life at all? Now, because it is the end of the sermon, on the mount, Jesus says something that I would have to say, it's almost like a throwaway. But it's extremely important what Jesus says at the end of the sermon. Why? Because he calls his listeners to make a decision. In the last few weeks, we have received from God's servants and by the working of the Holy Spirit, words regarding this family, the Gateway family, the future of Gateway Church, about King School, and we certainly are all in a season of waiting. Are you tired of waiting? How many of you are tired of waiting? Raise your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Good Lord knows us. It's a season of the not yet. Oh, when? When will this finally come to an end? It's the season of the wilderness, walking in the desert for so long. There are no answers, few answers coming our way, more questions coming our way. But it's a season where clarity is also being declared. There's a clarity of why we do what we do. There are words of prophecies that have been spoken over this church by Pastor Ron a few weeks ago. This is a season of growth. If you really want to grow, this is a great season to grow. It's a season of pain and discomfort, yes. And on top of that, as Pastor Peter talked about, it's a season of changes of leadership. What else do we need to change? There's so many changes coming our way. There's a new location. That's what's been said about. We should have been moved in already beginning of summer or fall. Didn't happen. It's going to happen. I don't know when. Not yet, we're in the wilderness. And so last Sunday, Pastor Peter spoke about Hebrews chapter 3. Where he talked about being joined together in a season of waiting. In a season of not yet. In the wilderness of pain and discomfort. He's talking about that we were part of building part. Joining together in a beautiful building. Not made of bricks and mortar and stones. But we are joined together with whom? With whom? Come on, say it loud. Jesus. Yes. We're joined together with Jesus. 
And so in chapter 7, verse 28, we read these kind of like what I would say, there's an implicit answer to Jesus asking his disciples and, and his listeners to respond to the Sermon on the Mount. And let me read again verse 28 because it's in this verse where we will find the answer to how we're going to proceed with our decision this morning. So verse 28 again in chapter 7. So when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds, the crowds, we'll talk about that right away, were astonished. At his teaching. It's not like. Wow. Wow. Amazing. It's not that. The word astonished. Is a very strong Greek word. In the original. Which actually translated means. Thunderstruck. This is not a wow. Of amazement. This word actually says. They were thunderstruck they were shocked out of their senses oh my goodness really can this be true really now it would have been beautiful if the text would have said and just a few were thunderstruck if that would have been the text it, the text actually says and the crowds were astonished, thunderstruck, meaning every young and old believer, non-believer, including disciples and the religious leaders, the Gentiles and the Jews, everyone is astonished. Question is, in this season of the not yet, in the wilderness, have you been astonished? Have you been shocked? Have you made feel uncomfortable about this wilderness experience? And if that is you, I have good news for you this morning. I know it's quite interesting. You could say, some of you would say, yes, it feels awkward. It doesn't feel normal. For some, you would say, eh, not my problem. Let the leadership of this church, the elders, let them figure this out. Yeah, I will come and I will not come. I will join in. I'm sure there's some smart people who will actually deal with the problem of the building. I don't need to get involved with that. I don't need to set up the chairs. I don't need to clean up the chairs. It's not my job. I'm not here for that. I'm just coming because I want to be here. It doesn't come out of my pocket. I don't I don't deal with the pressure of how we're going to meet the budget. How we're going to pay for all of this. I just want to have some comfort. I just want to have a little bit of peace when I come on Sunday morning. And please do not ask me to make a decision. I don't want to be part of this. And to you and to all of us this morning, I want you to say, know that Jesus has three great things that should Utterly leave you astonished this morning. This should be. But there's only two ways to respond to that astonishment. In my first year of university at the University of Winnipeg, and this goes back in the 70s, I took an intro to psychology class. Now, I love psychoanalysis. I love psychology. So in my high school years, grade 10, 11, and 12, I took psychology 
So going to university and took my first year one-on-one, introduced to psychology, I thought, I'm just going to ace this. This is going to be fairly easy. So at the year end, I wrote my final exam, and I got a C plus, to my surprise, to my astonishment. I bombed my final exam that was worth 70% of the final mark. And guess what? 80% of that final year exam of Intro to Psychology was made up multiple choices. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I say this? I hate multiple choices <laughs> with passion. Anyone who gives me an A, B, C, D, or A and C, or all the above, gosh, I'm done. I will bomb any exam. I can't do multiple choices. But if you would have asked me, yes, true or false, I could have done that. That's me. Just give me the straight goods. Tell me what it is, and I will decide yes or no. But don't give me choices. Don't. But isn't that the truth that largely as a society, as human beings and how we live in community, how we act in life, we function on choices. We want choices. But when it comes to making a discipleship decision for Christ to follow him and to be part of building his kingdom here on earth, let me tell you, there ain't any multiple choices. There is nothing like that. Either you are in or you are out. And so you have to choose. Am I going to be in or out? That's as simple as it gets. So you're going to flunk this test. You, if, if you are that person who wants choices, you will have great difficulties. And at the end of the sermon, he says, there are two ways that I want you to distinguish. Two ways and I want you to see and make and choose the right one because there's a wrong one. So make sure that you actually choose the right one. There are three things that Jesus says, and I want you to take note of that. And it's going to be on the screen. Three things that Jesus says. Number one, there are two pathways. One will lead you to life, and there's a pathway that will lead you to death. Matthew seven thirteen to 14, and he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it, but how narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life. And just a few find it. There are two trees. One with good fruit and one with bad fruit. Matthew chapter 7, verse 17 to 18. In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. Now, a good tree can produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Number three, there are two houses. One built on the rock and one built on the sand. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Once again, I'm going to read these verses. Therefore, all of that was being said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and then acts on them it will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. What is Jesus saying? There are two ways to respond. And I want you to be able to distinguish between them and decide that you would choose the right one. Then how do you know which way to go? And then in verse 16, I will read this verse again. He says, how do you know this? Well, he says, you will recognize them by their, what? By their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You will recognize them by their fruit. These are some harsh words. These, this, this doesn't lead you just kind of like warm feelings. Do whatever you wish. No, no. You will be seen and recognized by the fruit that you bear on the tree. There are two pathways. There are two trees. There are two houses. They exactly all look alike to the naked eye. But there's something hidden that makes the difference. So what is Jesus contrasting? What is at the core? And I would just put it out to you this morning and you can think about it. At the core, what Jesus is saying, there's a bunch of people who would consider themselves to be religious people. And then there's a group that actually would consider themselves to be followers of Christ. And vastly different. There are those who do what is needed to be done. On the outside they look wonderful. They have everything put together. But what is hidden is what you do not see to the naked eye. And that is on whose foundation are you building your premises for the decision in your life. Who is the one that you are banking on that no matter what the storm looks like, no matter how difficult life is going to be, where is my foundation? They both are praying. Listen to this. Religious and followers of Christ. They both pray. They both give to the poor. They both are kind to their neighbors. But note this. Jesus is saying these two groups of people are both doing similar kind of things. But utterly different reasons on the inside. Utterly different on the inside. And Jesus concludes the sermon with the best known parable. And he talks about the wise and the foolish builders. And Jesus invites his listeners to a decision to build on the only true foundation, that being Jesus Christ. No other foundation. No other one. So how do you respond to this? How do we walk away this morning? And I just want to propose to you three different ways that how we actually make that decision to be the final decision and actually say, this is what it is all about. So let's look at the response. First, the perspective of the nature of our decision. I would have to say, I struggle with the everydayness of life. If you would ask me, Delbert, who are you as a person? I'm a visionary leader. So, but if you give me many things to manage on the day, I struggle. Like I can do many multitasking, but to make a final decision, sometimes on little things, I have great difficulties. But largely, living out my Christian life, I do know that it means a lot that I make every day a decision as to who I will follow. 
There is an everydayness to the Christian life. And we do manage circumstances in life. But you know what it is? When we have so many choices every single day that we have to decide which one is the right one, we can become manipulator. We manipulate circumstances so as to that I get what I need at the end of the day. Religious people are great in manipulating and getting what they want. But it's not the right decision. So what's the perspective? Jesus says in verse 21 in chapter 7 again, and he says, and he says it right out clear. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? And do many miracles in your name? And then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You are law breakers. Ooh, that's harsh. Have we not done good things for God? Have we not done our best for Him? And Jesus would say, let me get to the root. Where's your tree planted? In whose premises are you building up your idea what it means to be a follower of Christ? Who has set before you the precedent of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus? And even though they pretend to speak for God, even though they invoke the name of Jesus, and even though they drive out demons and they heal people, their heart was still self-centered and they were rebellious against God. That was the, the, the listeners to whom Jesus was talking the Sermon on the Mount. They never fully surrendered their lives to him. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Wow, I never knew you? And Jesus says, no, I've never had a relationship with you. You've done all the right things, but for the wrong reasons. And in a time of waiting, being in the wilderness, it's a perfect time to sort out our ideas, our vision, our goals. What is in for me? What can I get out of this? It's a great time to sort that out. And that's the season that we are in. It's a season where we are being waited and we're being asked on whose foundation are you really truly building this church, this gathering called Gateway Community Church. What makes this community different than from any other churches in this community? What is so different about it? But I want to propose to you this morning. We are sitting at the gate of a beautiful opportunity but we're dabbling and we are being faced with false sense of a gospel of the gospel of truth a friend of mine who's a professor at columbia bible college nbc wrote a small little book called the gospel and the kingdom and he proposed that there are four different gospels that are being proclaimed in evangelical churches here in Canada and probably around the globe. And I want to just put them before you because these, this sense of gospel teaching happens in communities that are gathering like this one, but for the wrong reason. Here's the first one. It's the gospel that we call the get-out-of-jail-free gospel. 
This version emphasizes, yep, I believe in Jesus. And many would say, I believe in Jesus. I come on Sunday morning and I believe in Jesus. And I would just will get out of my jail. I will be set free because I believe in Jesus. Nothing else matters. You don't worry about anything. You're going to live your life however you want to live. Because Jesus is going to get me free. I don't need to bear fruit for him. I've said that I believe in Jesus and he is that free card for me to get out of my tension, tensions and problems that I have. The second one, he talks about the hipster gospel and it's largely re- removes the need for having a personal relationship with Jesus because we all are children of God. We all are children of God. So what's the difference? And because we all are children of God, everyone deserves to be loved. Everyone deserves to have justice. Everyone deserves to have peace and and joy. No difference. There's the third one, which he calls the Mercedes-Benz gospel. And that's the kind of the long-nurtured brand association with prosperity. And luxury. And personal fulfillment. Loving God is equated with prosperity and avoids pain and suffering and just promises blessings. And folks, this kind of gospel is preached. And you will find them online, wherever you go. You will hear that kind of gospel. And then there's the fourth one. And there's a dangerous one coming out of COVID, which is called the Jesus and me gospel. Here, Jesus is simply portrayed as being a savior and a friend. (laughs) It's all about meeting Jesus where I want him to meet me where I am right now. And I can go wherever I want to go. I don't have to go to the gathering on Sunday morning. I can tune in any, any kind of podcasting and I can find Jesus where I want him to be with me. This gospel coming out of COVID is rampant. Not just here in Winnipeg, in the world. And I'm asking myself this morning the question. These are tantalizing cultural habits that are infiltrating the churches. Hence, the decision. It's important to make a decision. Let me go to number two this morning. Why it is important to call to make a decision. The fundamentals of the parables are not very complicated. There are two people. Both build a house. Both of them encounter storms. Both of them are facing rain and torrential rain. Both have experienced floods and both have a wild wild wind coming at them. And guess what? Both of their houses were pounded with two different foundations. One was built on a solid rock and one built on a shifting sand. And there were two different outcomes. One stood solid and one fell. So where's the focus, the centeredness of the decision making? Let me say this very clearly. It is not about the quality of the house. It's not about the quality of the house. It's not about the severity of the storms. Not even that. It's about the foundation. It's about the foundation. That's why a decision here is so important. 
So let me go to the last one. What are the practical points then in our decision? I, I love a beautiful carved masterpiece. And over the years, I've traveled internationally and I have collected few things with me that are carved out of wood and so on. And I love a good carving, a beautiful masterpiece of, out of wood. It's when all the pieces fit together. I love that. When you have a, a plan and ex- execution and a great vision and a value system, I love all of that. I know that gives me a lot of common sense, but it'll a lot of comfort to me to know I'm going to be in good hands. I hate surprise elements. I hate unknowns. I really struggle with struggles. I don't like illness. I don't like sickness. I don't like the recession that we're walking into. I don't think none of us do. I don't like the financial crisis. I don't like relational problems. But what is the Holy Spirit saying to us here at Gateway? What is he telling us that we should like and what should we not like? What is the Holy Spirit actually prompting us to do? And listen to you. He's talking to the crowds. It's not just a few. It's not just a group of people, of elders and leaders in this church. He's inviting everyone in making that decision. You need to make a decision, not for me, not for Pastor Peter or for anyone else. No, no, you need to make a decision for Christ, for him. And you would say, I, 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 don't, wanna, I don't want the storm. I don't want difficulties. Yeah, but what if the Holy Spirit tells you this morning, I want you to go in to have that difficult conversation with someone right now. You need to do this. Because if we're going to talk about cleaning up the house of the Lord, and we're talking about making things right, then we will have to have some tough conversations along the way. There's going to be some resentment that you will have to address, some anger, some hate, unforgiveness, and I don't like this, but you will have to talk about it. You have to. Because all of that will erode the foundation on which you are building your life. And you believe that you can just walk away and to say, this really doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter at the end. And you will say, it doesn't matter if I don't come next Sunday. It doesn't matter if I don't go to a prayer meeting. It doesn't matter. Yes, it matters. You are part of the kingdom of God. Being established here in this community for such a time as this. And God is calling each one of us. Do I step up into that plate? And actually decide for Christ. Not for Peter. Not for Ron. Not for the history of Gateway Church. But for the history to come. For the next generation to come. I want to be part of that. Some of you have walls that are cracked. Foundations that are cracked and they're leaking. You need to address that. You need to address that. Some of you have really hardened hearts towards repentance. And wanting to say, I'm sorry. I have offended someone. And I need to, I need to make that right. And I want you to hear this story now. And as I'm clo- closing up this morning. Jesus, let me take you back to the beginning now of the sermon. In chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when you recognize that you have come to the end of yourself. And you're saying, I'm done. If that is what it, is, what it takes to be part of the kingdom of God, then I'm done. And how blessed you are 
when you come to the place of surrender. And you're saying, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. And I need Jesus. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven in that moment. That's when it comes to life. Let me finish off this morning with a short little anecdotal story. I'm going to take you to 2008. Um, Marianne and I had the opportunity to see the site of the Leaning Tower of Pisa in Italy. Yeah, we look, used to look young. We used to have black hair. 1174, the Italian architect Bonanno Pisano began to work on what would become the most famous project of his, a separately standing bell tower for the cathedral of the city of Pisa. The tower was eight stories high, about 185 foot tall. There was just one little problem. Builders quickly discovered that the soil was much softer than they had anticipated. The soil consisted of sand, shells, and clay, and the foundation was far too shallow to adequately hold up the structure that he was building. And sure enough, before the long, the structure began to tilt, and it continued to tilt until finally the architect and the builders realized that nothing could be done to make the leaning tower of Pisa straight again. It took 176 years to build the Tower of Pisa. And during that time, many things were done to try to compensate for the tilt. Foundations were shored up. The upper levels were even built at an angle to try to make the tower look straight. Nothing worked. The tower has stood for 800 years, but leans 18 feet away from where it should be. And sadly, to this day, it has never been used, other than becoming a tourist attraction, like me and my wife. I want to finish out here this morning. If you are simply just a religious activist, that's all you are, you do all the right things for the right cause. But if your foundation is not built on Jesus Christ, your life will be tilt, will be crooked, of no use. And Jesus says, this is a question of life and death. This is not something you should take lightly. Your decision for not for Gateway Church and the future of King's School. It is actually about Jesus. Is your foundation Jesus as the rock on which this church was built and needs to refocus itself again and ask, why do we do what we do? When I'm going to read again Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Practical points to our decision process, and I'm finishing off here this morning. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What is he inviting you to do? And then I want you to, second question is, I did this. I want to actually have you walk out this morning 
by saying, I need to do something. I need to make something right. I did this, number three. And then I witnessed what God did because of my obedience to him. And then the fourth one, I want you to share with someone what you have seen God do in your life because of your decision in favor of his leading in your life. And that's how we win the battle. We have it in Spanish, ¿Cómo se pela un coco? How do you peel a coconut? And someone would have said, just take a machete and just crack it open. But we would say in Latin America, now how do you peel a coconut? One string at a time. You peel a coconut. That's how you peel the coconut. So if you think you can crack the coconut, go ahead, just do whatever you want to do. Know this. The proper way is to do it right with Jesus right from the beginning. Do it slowly. Poco a poco se pela un coco. Little by little do you peel the coconut. And at the end you will have the milk of the coconut on the inside. And the coconut shavings of whatever you want to have. And all the enjoyment of that fruit. There's some homework that we all have to do. And I'm asking you to just pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to instruct you the ways that you need to respond to this morning's message. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.